0: Like I said, First uh, Peter chapter five verses eight and nine is where we're going to be. We're in the encouragement series. So the encouragement series is to give you courage to live inside and outside the walls of this building for Jesus Christ, and to live boldly, to be awake for Jesus. Um, so to speak. And, and we do that through encouragement. That's what First Peter is. We talked about in chapter four, suffering. We're talking about in chapter five, kind of the goal uh, to live that way so that we might be able to come more like Jesus Christ in this. So le- let me just give you some life tips here. If you ever go on a safari, you know the safaris over in Africa where you can get into the, the vehicles, the land rovers, you go in there. I'm just going to give you some safari safety tips. That are going to help you the next time you find yourself in a dangerous animal situation. One. Um, So the first thing that they're always going to tell you is what? Stay in the car. Because wild animals love nothing more than to chase after their food on the Serengeti and bring it down. So number one rule is stay in the car. If you have windows that can stay up, you keep the windows up. Because they don't want you sticking any appetizers out the window for the lions, tigers, and bears, oh my, right? They don't want that. So if you're ever on a safari, windows up, stay in the car, don't taunt. If you happen to find yourself out, because there's walking excursions, there's even bicycling or cycling excursions on safari, they tell you to walk away slowly. So if you happen to find yourself upon a devouring, roaring animal, you just pull yourself back. Why? Because most animals that you're going to encounter in a safari are going to be way more powerful and way more dangerous than you are. They're going to be able to inflict harm way more than your head noogies and biting and clawing that those animals can do. So in safari situations, stay inside, stay safe, don't veer from the path, stay on the trail, and stay away. And then don't get too close because that's when they usually lash out and attack. If you've ever seen that show when animals attack, where they just put humans and they're in precarious situations, you know what I'm talking about. And the reason that this is important is because this was a very sort of common occurrence uh, that would take place in the time of the Bible. That that would take place because, well, think about it. When King David was defending his flock from his family against lions, where did the lions come from? Not a zoo. David didn't go to a zoo and kill the lions, they're just roaming. If you were traveling from Jerusalem um, to anywhere in Galilee, it was a very real possibility. Not only thieves and robbers, but wild animals could catch you in crevices and in valleys, and they could consume you and kill you and destroy you. It was a real deal. Just walking out to your chariot in the morning, you could get attacked. So there are dangerous things out there in the world that that seek to consume us. So here's what I would say to you about the one thing, right? Let me just hit the one thing right off the top that comes from Scripture. Jesus has the power to keep you from being devoured. And these Scriptures are going to show us that there are things out there looking to do that, that. Affirm faith an alert mind, the perseverance of the family of God because of Jesus Christ can, can, can keep you from being devoured by things that want to seek to consume. In fact, the context of this, um, just kind of to bring it home into this day. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, though it's true for both, unless you die and go to heaven. But what's true for both is each day, so many things want to keep you from God's way. There are things that are constantly out there trying to dull your mind, to lull your soul into destruction, to, to engage you in such a way that it destroys you. Because that's the, the ultimate goal, to keep you forever from the family of God, to keep you from forever from eternity with God in heaven. So each day that you wake up, there are things out there, some assigned, some just because of the world that we live in that's difficult, that's seeking to devour you, that's seeking to um, consume you. Let's just look at um, 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8. It just, it tells us right here, this is Peter talking. All right, here's what he says. Um, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, your opponent, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's a really, really bad thing. But as, as Peter's writing to Christians especially, They're the choice meat of the devouring lion. So every day, without rest, without pause, the devil is out there roaming the earth, seeking those whom he can devour. Just someone, anyone. And that's his goal, that's his plan. Now at the beginning of the verse, we see this sort of sober-mindedness and, and watchfulness, right? So we, we see in the Bible that he's like, look, be temperate, um, clear focus, have your thought sharpened by alertness. So he's like, you've got to be on guard. You have to watch out for what's happening and for what's going on all around, right? Um, your head's on a swivel and you're just looking and you're just watching. And the sober-mindedness and alertness kind of gets rid of that, that fuzziness, that, that dullness that exists. And he's like, look, be focused. Don't allow anything in your life to sort of um, make you sleepy or groggy in your faith, but be watchful. Why? Because we've all seen, and if you haven't, we all know that, that when a lion is on the prowl, what does he do? He sneaks up. He hunkers down to get into the kill position. And usually by the time you see a devouring lion, it's way too late. He's already got you. There ain't no way your 40 some year old body outrun a no lion. And if you're older than that, I'm just here to tell you, you've got no hope but to outrun that other six-year-old next to you. That's all I'm saying. So when you're out there in this devil, that's what he does, right? He's prowling, he's seeking. You know, there's this roar sometimes that the danger's near. But Peter tells us you've got to be sharp and quick. And this guy knows it. The guy who denied Jesus three times at Jesus' trial knows what it is to not be sober-minded. He knows what it is to not be alert and watchful, but to be caught in because you're afraid of what might happen to you and actually deny Jesus Christ. So, so in the midst of this, it tells us. Even back in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, here's just a, a more clear way. In the same book we're studying of how to be sober-minded and watchful. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. What would you do if a lion attacks you? I think the bears in all the animal kingdom have come up with the best solution. Because what do they tell you when a bear attacks you? Lay down in the fetal position and act like you're dead. Pour honey all over you and just lay right there, right? That's what the bears say when you're no, no way. I'm going to try to climb some tree. You know what actually I'm going to do? I'm going to pray to Jesus. Because there ain't no way I'm getting delivered from anything unless Jesus helps me. I don't care if it's Yogi the Bear or Grizzly Bear. Whatever's coming after me. I want Jesus' guidance and direction and help on this. So what he tells us in that verse 13 of chapter 1 is, prepare your mind for action. And we say that a lot around here. You don't wait to overcome temptation in the midst of its suffocating, devouring, generous. When do you prepare for it? Before. You study your Bible. You're faithful. You always prepare for temptation before it happens. You want to be prepared. And, and this scripture is telling us you actually can So even though the devil's out there trying to prowl and do what he's trying to do, we can still be uh, sober-minded and watchful. And then it also says this, right? Because how do you not just give in? We talked about anxiety last week, so I won't labor that much other than this. In that verse 13 of chapter 1, how do you not give in anxiety? You put your hope fully in the grace that is brought to you with the revelation of Jesus Christ. You just trust in Jesus, You believe in Christ, and you just allow that to be the thing that's going to help you. So even in your preparedness, you're preparing to what? Run to Jesus, to be closer to Jesus, to respond how Jesus would. So it's not a pharisaical elitism where you go, I know the proper procedures to defend against an alliance." That's what's going to save me. It's not. It's Jesus. He's the one that will save you. He's the one that will protect you. He's the one that will defend through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that helps us there. I love what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.6. Because I was trying to understand what it means about this sort of sober mindedness. Of course on the surface level for the world it means do not live your faith as a drunkard person. But instead to live to someone who's clear and alert. Um, Paul tells the Thessalonians this. Let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. There are a lot of people sleepwalking through life. There are a lot of people in dangerous situations who don't even realize it. I mean, you can just look at them and go, man, I can see the next five years if they make it. And and he tells the Thessalonians, wake up. Be alert. Be sharp and focused about these things that are going to happen. So I got a a phone call on Friday when um, we were doing the filming. We just wrapped up filming and we were doing that. All of a sudden, there's a snake in my garage and the world is ending so they're like dad they're saying kids found it they're like whoa and they run upstairs and they tell mom and mom's like call your dad. So they call me and fortunately the things had worked out to where we, we were done early enough with some of the things we've been filming and and I was like okay I'm going to come home. And I'm like trying to like Red Bull amp myself up like I'm going to fight this snake and it's going to be real and it's in my garage and what am I going to do? And then I was like well I got brooms and I got shovels. You know Jeff's telling me just shoo it out real nicely like with a Hallmark card. I'm like if I had a gun I'd kill it. So he just so I was like well maybe that'll work. So I get there and I just I just Go crazy on the garage because they said, Oh, it's under your desk that's in there where I sit sometimes and do church stuff. So I'm just like throwing stuff out from underneath it. But you know how you throw and then you just freeze? Because you're like, Maybe it's under that thing. And I just had a lot of stuff under there. So I'm throwing freeze and I'm like, Oh man, I can't find it. I can't find it. I can't find it. It's not there. It's gone. At least that's the story I'm going to go with when I tell the wife that I can find it. It just left and it's free. So then here's what's happening. So then as I go, this is, and I think this is the, the true thing that took place. So then we, we've got some rugs kind of in our thing. And one of our rugs was folded over and I unfolded the rug, right? And it was the largest earthworm you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, yeah. Dark brown, all wiggly, snake-ish, about the same size that they said. So I was like, hero dad's going to get this earthworm. So I get the earthworm. I'm like, sorry, Jim, throwing you away. You're done, right? Get rid of him. Come up triumphantly. It was an earthworm. What was a snake. I was like, no, it's just an, it's just an earthworm. You've got to be prepared ahead of time, man. So all the drive home, I'm like, get ready, get ready, get ready. And then you have to know to do that. And look, I was praying. I prayed over what was an earthworm as if it was a snake in order for God to help me. And he did. Maybe he transformed it because he's like, you can't do it. I don't know. Look, I can do anything. He can do anything. So maybe he did. So I'm just thankful. So rule of advice, the next time someone you love really close you calls and says, there's a snake in there, just pray that God can do a miracle. Because he can't. He can turn snakes to earthworms. I don't know. That'll be my first book, snakes to earthworms. Yeah, look what God can do. So you just kind of get all of that there. And that's what he says, right? You got to be alert, you got to be awake because there's this arch enemy that's out there. And, and, and those animals, they're going to know when you're trying to get rid of them and they're going to respond back. And this arch enemy is the same way. He's looking for any and all opportunity to destroy you. The devouring lion in Africa is an indiscriminate killer. He does not care who he comes against. If he can devour and destroy, he will. And the devil is of the same way. So if I could find someone who's, who's not a Christian and drive them in further into darkness and further away from Jesus, I'm going to do that. If I can find a Christian and drive them further away, I'm going to do that. So it's only in, in Jesus Christ that we can find any of this help. So how can we prepare for things when harm wants to come near us? How can we prepare for things when that want to harm us, things that want to harm us, come near? And I would say this from the being watchful and alert. You've got to study your Bible to be faithful and hopeful in Christ. So it's not just enough to know that you can conquer earthworms, you actually have to know that you're going to have to do that. So all of us would benefit from a deeper faith that studies the Bible not only for knowledge and wisdom, but for actual faithfulness. To go, here's how I respond. Because that's what Jesus says, that's how you know my people in the kingdom, by the way that they love each other and the fruit that they bear. Not the good intentions that they hide in their heart and wish that they did. That is not how Jesus says we know each other. We know each other by the way we seek to go. So how can we prepare for these things? You study the Bible to be faithful and hopeful in that. So uh, you read the Bible for comprehension, not completion, right? Oh, I did it. I finished a year. Great. Great. Now, how do you live that out? That's the real key. Because when a devouring line of the devil comes up to you, he's not going to give you a trivia test. He's not going to say, how much did you come for? You did that. He's going to want to see if you rely on Jesus or yourself. Let's look at verse 9. This talks a little bit more about sort of preparing ourselves and and getting ready and responding to when we see that. Because sometimes when you respond, you, you have to do something about that. Some sort of, some sort of way to engage it. And in verse 9 of chapter 5 of 1 Peter says, Resist him, who's him? The devil. Firm in your faith, knowing the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood, other Christians throughout the world. So here's what we see is a response to what the devil's up to. First of all, Resistance. And if you know anything about resistance, resistance puts a strain on something, does it not? There's resistance training, there's stretching. Um, for decades, pastor used the pastors used that rubber band model, right? You get a rubber band model and you you, you apply resistance and it starts to stretch and stretch and stretch and stretch. So he's like, look, when, you, when you're in this, you, you've got to resist. So your next question is, well, how do I resist? What do I do? I can't overpower a lion. That's true. The devil is more powerful than you, but not in comparison to God. He is not equal. He is not even close to what God can do, but he can put a world of hurt on you should you allow for that to take place. So he says, what, how do you resist? Firm in your faith. So he says, you resist strong in faithfulness. That's how you know your faith is firm, because it actually comes out where you work where you worship, where you live and recharge, through your time, through your talents, through your treasures, through your faith. So he's like, be firm in your faith. You are strong in your faith in Jesus Christ and because of Jesus Christ. And that's what you see. All all the conquering and all the victory in all the scripture is always laid at the feet of Jesus. So when David did his miracles, when Elijah did his miracles, when Elisha did his miracles, when the disciples did their miracles in the New Testament, even with Jesus, it always ended up at the feet of Jesus. That's why they could do it. So when you're talking about firming your faith, it's not a self-confidence. It's a savior trust. Does that make sense? That you're like, oh, well, I figured out, I've cracked the code of taming lions. No, lions are not going to be tamed. So what you see here is this, this kind of mentality of like, look, trust in Jesus. He's the one who sends the devour away. In the scripture, all the time, that is the only thing, person, being, exists that you ever see the devil fling from. It's God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Man, he whoops up on men in scripture who think they're something. Read the story of the, I was talking to Rachel about this, the seven sons of Sceva who thought just because they could say the name of Jesus, they could overcome. Those demons in that person beat those dudes naked and sent them away. I mean, it's crazy. So the only one, the only one that the devil fears and knows he's subject to is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's our only hope in that. The only hope in that, to move forward in those Um, I love what it says here. Um, I mean, even think about this. Jesus tells Peter in Luke 22, verse 31, "The, the devil has come and asked me if I could sift you. If he could sift you, the devil could. I mean, imagine that. The devil's coming to Jesus going, I want Peter. I want him. And I'm going to take him. And you know what Jesus says? I prayed for you. That's not going to happen. Not because Peter's so awesome, not because Peter's the rock, not because Peter's the most bold, puts his foot in his mouth, does think Jesus got to forgive him for all the time. It's because Jesus said, no, you can't have him. And the devil had to submit and had to obey. So the next time something comes to devour, it doesn't have to. That's why the one thing so important, Jesus has the power to keep you from being devoured and only he alone has it. So you can't find that anywhere else. And I just love that. I love what James 4, 7 says uh, when it talks about sort of this, how do you resist? How are you firm in your faith? James 4, 7 says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, most people take that verse and they go, oh, if I just resist the devil, he's going to flee. But they forget the very beginning of that verse, which says what? Submit yourselves therefore to God. So it's like, a, it's like a little kid that's afraid that runs behind and grabs dad's leg. And it goes, dad's going to take care of me. That's the kind of resistance. So when the devil starts coming and prowling around, what you do is this. You, you run, you submit yourself to God, and you, you point to him and go, this guy, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, they're taking care of me. And then the devil, it says there in James 4, 7, will flee from you. A a total commitment, a total truth in all of that. That's the answer. The, the, The kingdom kids of God, the family of God, Christian family, we endure for the internal and we're strengthened constantly because of Jesus. That's who we run to. That's who we go to. That's who we call to come and help us and save us and lead us and guide us. It's the only way to not be devoured through Jesus so we think about this, right? I mean, let me say this to you too, because I know this. I look, we all carry wounds and scars from bad physical decisions. We have emotional scars, mental that. we do that. We even know what it is as Christians for sin and the devil to have footholds and, and handholds on us. So I would say this to you: God can rescue you, too. God can rescue you too and let me just share with you the truth of 2 Timothy um, chapter 3 just listen to this verse 11 because here's the thing some of you might be getting gnawed on right now those watching online those here in the room and you're just like Nathan I'm in the midst of being devoured by whatever that noun is this person, this place or thing but listen to the encouraging words of of Paul to his uh, brother, his son really in Christ his brother in Christ He says this, my persecutions and sufferings have happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I did endure. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. So here's the deal, right? We serve a God of redemption and a God of resurrection. So you could be in the midst of getting chomped, and the Lord would just open that lion's mouth, metaphorically speaking, and set you free and redeem you and bring healing to you. Now you may always remember that because a, a lion attack is going to be hard for you to forget, and the lion's definitely not going to want you to forget that. But Jesus is like, look, you are redeemed, you are forgiven, you are clean, and you are pure inside because what I've done on the cross. But it is only in the saving faith of Jesus Christ, only as a Christian, do you even have that hope to not be consumed. You must confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You must believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Then you will be saved. Call on the name of the Lord. Confess your wrongdoings, thinkings, and sayings. And ask him to save you. Because you, each day that you wake up, each class that you go to, each job day that you clock into, each relationship that you're in, the devil's trying to prowl around and use whatever he can to devour and to consume you. This is a reality in which we live. And God is like, look, I can set you free. Now here's an interesting question. Why does knowing that other Christians suffering and prevail around the world a good thing? Because that's what we see here in verse 9, right? Resist the devil, be firm in your faith, and oh, by the way, there are other people going through the same sufferings, and I'm going to tell you about that. Being experienced by the brotherhood throughout the world. Now, why, why would that be of any good news? Most people don't like to be reminded of more suffering and and more heartache. In fact, that's the thing that we do to uh, manage people and to try to get them into an emotional response. You guys have all seen those puppy commercials in those sad little cages. And they're like, oh, look at this puppy and look at this cat and look at this thing. And they're like, now give and give and give. But in the kingdom of God, there's something that happens only in the Christian faith that hasn't happened anywhere else when you come against the sufferings of those who are going through it in Christ's name. It actually encourages and shows us that in Christ, we can do it too. So your testimony of living that out, you're not giving up or giving in when you're focusing on Jesus Christ, when you're reminded that others are going through it, it actually strengthens you. In fact, I think of all the countries and all the planet, we as Americans can enjoy this even more because we are the, I would say, yeah, I, I would argue that we are the least persecuted country in all of the world when it comes to the Christian faith. I think that, I think that's really a no brainer. So then, when you look at others and when you talk to others and when you engage others who are Christians in other countries and see what they're going through, you know what? Yeah, we can do this. Why? Because it's inspirational. When people are overcoming, that's what they want to hear. That we don't have to give up. We've got a Savior who has given it all so that we can persevere and go through with Him. Because the devil's not going to stop prowling until Revelation starts kicking in. And then eventually that'll be done. And he'll be gone forever. But from that day to this day... We've got to be faithful. And we have to know that Jesus alone has the power to help us and not be devoured. So so based on this message, what can you do to become more like Jesus? Let me say this first. Christianity is not a spectator sport. You are going to get bumps and bruises. Sitting on your rear, can I say that, and not engaging in your own Christian faith is not an option. It isn't an option. And if you take that option, then you are going to see suffering that could have been avoided. The Christian faith is not a spectator sport. This this message is to equip you for the day that waits for you. That which seeks to destroy you, the opponent that is out there and has a third of the angels from heaven at his command to bring us down and to bring other people down as well, right? Right? There is a reason we once were lost and now we're found. We once were blind and now we see. So God's amazing grace is amazing when it's out there. It's it's called good news because it's shared and it's gospel things. So let's just talk about our worship for a little bit here. Remember we talked about in verse 8, being sober-minded, being watchful. Our gospel-centered worship, I would say wake up the mind. And this is not some weird like meditation-y like blue-blue thing. This is about being awake, oh sleeper, as we read um, in 1 Thessalonians five six to ask God to show you in the Bible where your faith is still groggy. Has that ever happened to you in the morning you wake up and you're like, where am I? What's going on? What's happening? Who are these people around me? What's that? So God's like, look, your mind has to be alert and only he can help you to see that those things that are targeted after you. The devil knows what tempts you. The devil knows what's going to pull you in. So you've got to wake up your mind to to transform it and, and to renew it as it says in Psalms. And to ask God to show you in the Bible where your faith is still groggy. So you study your Bible and go, God, where, where am I a little fuzzy here? Where do I still have a little sleep in my eyes because I'm not fully alert yet? And he's like, look, this is what's getting you. So in your worship, private and both corporate here together, in person, face to face, I would say to you, wake up your mind and be alert. Because it's very clear, be sober minded and watchful. It's an active preparation, right? An active preparation. Next, in community. So we're out there in community. We know what's happening. We know there are lions out there. Here comes a rocket science, deep faith truth. Please don't get eaten. Yeah, don't get eaten. I remember I was learning to. Um, uh, I was. Really, I, I remember I was, I was learning to swim uh, in Lake Cumberland in, in Kentucky um, off the boat uh, without a life jacket. I remember they're saying, "All right, here you go. You're doing it. Don't drown. Right? Just don't drown." And I would say to you, keep an eye out for that which is trying to take your soul out. It is a much more aggressive world out there, spiritually speaking, than, than we can realize. So don't get eaten. Who's going to keep you from getting eaten? I don't know. Ask Daniel, who closed the mouths, who took care of him in that den. Who's going to take care of you when you're out there? Because you, you're going to be in the midst of hard stuff, and you should be because you're sharing the gospel. But keep an eye out for what's trying to take your soul out. And and it's also a lot closer to home than you probably think. Because in order to devour something, what? It has to be right up on you. So it could be in your homes or in your workplace. So just ask God to show you. I mean, maybe that's your prayer. Just real honest. God, help me not get eaten today. He'll know what you're talking about. He'll understand. He's been there. He's done that. So when you're out in community, just be watchful. Just be mindful. Here's a way you can serve others based on the truth of these scriptures when we, when we talk about resisting him and being firm in your faith. Uh, just don't let others play with deadly lions. Doesn't that just make sense? Right? When we go to zoos, it's not free-range zoo. Get in there and hug on the polar bear and see what he does. That's not what they do. They're in major cages. Super protected. So when you're out there in the world to serve others in the name of Jesus Christ, lead them away and don't let them play with deadly lions. And all that you can do and all that you can say, lead them away from the destroying way. To Jesus Christ who's life everlasting. There are just some pools you shouldn't swim in. There are some places you should never go because they are seeking to destroy. So love others and serve them. It is the, what's the classic example? It is the unloving dad that allows his kids to play in a busy street of traffic because he doesn't want to hurt their feelings or make it feel awkward for them that they're doing something wrong. But everybody else looks and goes, that is an unloving father who would allow his kids to be endangered when he knows full well he could protect them from that. Right? So I would say to you, don't let others play with deadly lions and let them know like, look, that's going to get you. And without Jesus, you ain't coming back. The next thing I'd say, multiplication, right? Because this is a message we want to get out. These are Savior survival tips in order for us to thrive. And I would say this in order to help this truth multiply out there, to help people resist the devil so that he will flee from the name of Jesus, be faithful first during the worst. This is not a message of sufferinglessness in your life. This is not a message that says, if you follow these verses and do these five steps, then all the suffering and all the lines will stay away from you forever. No, that is not the reality in which we live. Until your very last breath, the devil is going to do all that he can to keep you from going to heaven. To keep you from Jesus. To make sure that you don't receive salvation. So when it gets worse, let others see that Jesus Christ is the one for me. It's written in the first person view. That you would just say, you know what? It's Christ. I'm going to trust in him. And I'm going to be faithful. Right? I'm going to be faithful. If I'm going on a safari, I'm not getting into the car with people who are wearing meat suits and smelling like steaks. I'm getting into the armored Brinks truck with the windows that are going to look at them safely. And they'd be like, so long, it's about to get nuts for you. But spiritually speaking, that's what we do all the time. We just send people out there and just let them go where we run into people. And, and we must do what we can to help them to see that it's Jesus Christ in which we trust. So your role at best will ever be uh, obedience and faithfulness. But we're going to always go to Jesus and we're always going to send it there. So let's look at the one thing one last time. Just, just to remind us of that, because I know we talked about a lot of things that we can do to engage our faithfulness, but remember, Jesus has the power to keep you from being devoured. Nobody else does. There's no other name in that one thing that's going to protect you and keep you. There's no other tradition or newfangled trend that's going to make a way for you. There's no other safety net that you can build out of whatever you want to build, time, talents, treasures that are going to save you from being devoured except Jesus Christ. So go with him in life. Follow his steps that he leads. Allow him to lead you through all of these things that are there. And follow him faithfully. So